in it. And I have this knee-jerk reaction in, in my mind that I subdue of like, it's okay, push through it, push through it. And yeah. I'm trying to evolve and and learn that okay, that may not be the best response. There is a way to empathize and explore her emotions. Welcome to the Relational Parenting Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hayes, a parent coach and 20-year childcare veteran. Each week, I sit down with my own father, Rick Hayes, and discuss the complicated issues that parents face today, as well as some of the oldest questions in the book. From the latest research and the framework of my relational parenting method, we offer thought-provoking solutions to your deepest parenting struggles. Added bonuses include intergenerational wounding discussions and guest childcare experts. We will also start taking your parenting questions in episode five. So be sure to comment with your biggest questions or email me directly at Jenny at JennyB.co. Let's get started. Well, welcome, Jivan. I'm so excited that you are here with us to share a dad's perspective. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. A modern Ah. dad's perspective. Yes. Uh, we'll we'll yes. see how modern I am. Uh, others <laughs> can judge that. Good. Awesome. Well, um, Javon, why don't we just jump in with like who you are and where you're coming from and, and your parenting, like where you're at in your parenting journey right now? Yeah, I'll give the, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give the short version. So I have yeah. two girls, a uh, recently turned eight-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. I live in the Bay Area with them and my wife. Um, cool. My mother-in-law lives with us as well, and my parents are are sort of down the street. Uh, so we have an extended family support system around us, which is tremendous. Very um, nice. Yeah. yeah. And for work, my wife works at Meta um, doing marketing, and, and I do marketing and growth work in the Bay Area where we live as well. Um, in terms of where I am in the parent journey, I guess just a couple maybe salient highlights. We spent <laughs> a year living in L.A. Um, and just moved back to the Bay Area. It was uh, a foray into L.A. to be closer to my wife's family, um, and we enjoyed that journey. But our, particularly our older daughter was really yearning to be back in her old stomping grounds here in the Bay Area. And so uh-huh. a big reason for our move back, in addition to career stuff, was was primarily um, to put our daughters in an environment where we thought they would thrive. Nice. So, Jivan, you and I met because you found me. Did you? I think you found me on LinkedIn. That's right. Um, And you were starting at the time you wanted to start a central hub for parents to find parenting resources and parent coaches. Um, And you and I kind of dove into that a little bit. You created a website and Mm -hmm. um, brought in some, some people who had been searching for parenting uh, advice and, Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of gone on the back burner now, but, um, all along the way, you've also helped, you've given me some tips for my website and just different things for growth and for my marketing and, and all of that. And along the way, I've learned, um, a bit about your parenting journey and your parenting concerns and being a a girl dad and, um, Mm -hmm. all of those things and some of your, your history of your childhood, uh, 
as well and the things that you're you've been very conscious of shifting um, as you became a parent and a dad of girls and um, kind of the questions that you ask yourself. So I would just I would love to know kind of what are your top two or three parenting goals that you you have right now um, being either goals or concerns, I guess, things that you're mm-hmm. working with as a parent right now with a two and a half year old and an eight year old girl looking up to you. You know, I like that you said goals or concerns, because one mm-hmm. of the things I have observed in my roughly eight year parenting journey is that, you know, I can look at things from an aspirational point of view, right? Which is, mm-hmm. what is the what is the joy I want to cultivate in my children's lives and our family's life? And often I can also look at things, um, sort of the flip side of that, or like, what are the things I'm most concerned and worried about? And those two things yeah. are essentially two sides of the same coin often. Right, and yeah. I f- And I find that depending how I think about it, right? Um, one can be a nerve wracking experience and then the other can be a joy eliciting experience. And so I'm, I do try to reframe some of my challenges and worries into a more positive, like, what am I pursuing? So with that as sort of a context, uh, the first thing that's very top of mind for me is resilience. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked a little bit about this. I grew up uh, in Jamaica, um, in an Indian, you know, sort of uh, household. And, you know, we've seen everybody's had their own share of diversity. I had my flavor of it. And you do everything in your power to give your kids a, a great life, much in the way I'm sure, Rick, you've done for, for Jenny. And um, in that process, I guess the worry is that I've made things almost too easy, too comfortable, mm-hmm. um, things that may be, um, that may feel like the unknown or an adversity type situation. It's hard for my children, particularly my eight-year-old to, na- I worry that it might be hard for her to navigate that, uh, because mm-hmm. she's not getting the reps in that. So how do you build resilience unless you have the reps in navigating moments of adversity. And I think you and I briefly talked about this at one point and something I think you pointed out to me and others have pointed out to me is that the adversity that my children will face, the shape and the nature of that might be fundamentally different than the shape and nature of adversity I faced. And so I've worried less about that, um, but I am trying to give my kids opportunities to build resilience right? Whether that is they're trying something and they want to give up. And I sort of try to be curious about why they want to give up and what would it look like if they kept trying. Um, I also think about what are things outside of their comfort zone I can introduce them to that um, they will keep persisting on. And so, so resilience, I think is, is really top of mind before I go deeper, any, anything you want to touch on there? I think what came up for me while you were talking was that just a just another level to to the uh statement that there was their hardship their adversity will just look different than yours mm-hmm. just another layer to that is to say that all life is always going to be hard for anyone no matter who you are 
there's always going to be hurdles or things because we all have, we're all thinking and emotional beings Mm -hmm. and our experience of the world comes from inside of us, not outside of us. So it's not the situation that we're in. It's our experience and mindset towards that situation that determines how we feel about it. And in emotional intelligence work and a lot of what I do teach parents with relational parenting is, is we're looking at the emotion or the need behind a behavior and emotions, how we feel about a situation is always going to be the thing we have to overcome. Just like you said, that um, the goal and the concern are two sides of the same coin. And depending on which side of that coin I focus on determines how I feel about it. Um, I think that with our children, like you said, their adversity will look different, but they're, they will have adversity. They will have something to overcome Mm -hmm. because we always have something to overcome in our internal landscape. Yeah, that resonates. I think that's something that's, taken me a longer time to fully acknowledge and internalize, but, um, I see it more and more, you know, I mean, COVID being a classic example, (laughs) um, even the social structures that exist, uh, today, you know, just a lot of the way they interact and engage in society, I think is, is fundamentally different than, than when I was growing up. So I I think Mm. what you're saying is spot on. You said you said uh, one thing. You would look you look at things from both sides, right? Two sides of a coin. You know that's a real that's a aren't most aren't most mathematical formulas when you listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson talk. You know all the all the great physics stuff is supposed to work forwards and backwards. That's a philosophical mm-hmm. technique, you know, to look at the reverse and make sure thing. Uh, that's a way of making th- sure things make sense. You know, it's like and then it, and then the thought was. I resonate with your experience of, well, here's my upbringing. It was not quite the arena, the circumstances I'm, I was raising my kids in. And so then you have to kind of extract the values. Well, what did I like? What don't I want to like? Uh, or what don't I want to recreate? And and then how do you how do you make that go forward? Once you've got a goal, then there's the the dad job, the parenting job of, okay, let's try to steer through the circumstances to create the experience you want, you know, do how much resilience, how do you create that if it's not, you know, if there aren't bears and wolves prowling around uh, to help build that, you know, how much do you need in the modern world? What's modern resilience look like, you know, compared to thing that's, those are all, that's such a, that's such a parenting situation. You know, mm-hmm. where, where you're, you're trying to figure out what to do for your kids. I really admire that. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think what, what you're saying connects a lot to what Jenny's saying about sort of the, you know, Jenny's point about the the um, adversity looking different and, and everybody's going to face adversity. And to your point, that, that arena may not be bears and, and uh, physical dangers per se. Yeah, um, you know. But but it's it's different. And um, I think part of my journey is examining some of my preconceived biases about the right way to build resilience. Mm, exactly. Right. Um, and that's that's very difficult for me because a lot of how I was raised was, okay, you face an adversity, you just run through that wall. That's what you do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was mm-hmm. less about compassion and empathy and let's talk about it. It was more like, you know, go into my, my brother who is 
10 years younger than me. So it's a big gap between us. And he will readily point out that in some ways I was like a sort of pseudo father figure. Um, I did that with him when he was younger, when uh, he wanted to, he wanted to learn how to swim rather than me being empathetic as a bigger brother. I just threw him in the pool and said, figure it out. He remembers this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great resilience builder. You live, right? You know, what's the problem with my approach? You live. (laughs) Exactly. And I I totally forgot this, but he, yeah, but he brought it up to me the other day and it, it is something I find challenging, which is when my eight-year-old encounters adversity and, and she's feeling challenged by it, she'll come to me and she might be in tears or in, and I have this knee-jerk reaction in, in my mind that I subdue of like, it's okay, push through it, push through it. And yeah. I'm trying to evolve and, and learn that okay, that may not be the best response. There is a way to empathize and explore her emotions. Um, at the same time, to be you know fully transparent, I struggle with how much is too much. Like at what point do you just say, yeah. hey, it's tough, but like we're not going to keep having this conversation of nurturing it and just go go do it. And going tying it back a little bit to your point, Jenny, about some of my parenting philosophies, you know, one thing that is pretty important to me is being present for my children. And and mm-hmm. that means physical presence. So um, up until my wife was pregnant with our first, I used to travel for work every week. And mm-hmm. um, when we got close to my first being born, I switched careers. And the number one reason mm-hmm. was I want to be physically there. A lot of parenting happens serendipitously. I can't yes. just yeah. plan for us to have quality time. Yeah. She serendipitously will bring something up important, you know, at breakfast or on the way to soccer practice, whatever it is. Yeah. And I sometimes think, I I mean, I've, we've talked about this before, Jenny, as well, which is I took um, time off work and um, quit my job and just spent a hundred percent of my time with my, with my older one for a while. Did that with my younger one too. And I've been so physically present for my children and I see that sometimes they, they want my presence around. I sometimes worry, have I created a dependence, right? Mm. That they don't know how, they're not building that dependent uh, independence. Um, and so it just goes back to this thing of like all of my philosophies, there's some little worry underneath it that I have to pressure test. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I think there's there is shade, a balance there's, there's, to strike. Yes. There's a, there's, you know, if, if, if the exact same, you know, highly emotional reaction or fear, you know, to the, to a specific situation happens, I'm, you know, maybe for me, it was karate. I would, I would constantly have fears and and I would cry before karate practice, um, training and, and things. And, and one day we told this story on, one of the other episodes, you know, both my dad and my mom were sitting there and, and being empathetic and whatever. And the, and the final thing at the end of that conversation, after validating my emotions and, and having had this conversation a million times was, so here's the deal. Either you go to karate tonight or you are, you are making the choice to give up karate. If it's this if it's causing this much turmoil for you, maybe it's not the right thing for you. Mm-hmm. And that, when it became like, we love you, we understand this is hard, and 
you can't keep doing this. Either you're torturing yourself or you're torturing us and you need to make a choice. And it it was kind of like when they asked me that question, like, are you going or are you quitting karate? I was like, oh, well, I'm going, obviously. And Mm -hmm. I just needed someone to give me that perspective of like, Mm -hmm. here's the thing. You can't live in this mode of like torturing yourself emotionally and you can't live in this Mm -hmm. um, in-between place where someone is constantly having to manage you in order to get you to go do this thing that you said you want to do. And so I think there is a healthy balance and there is a level of boundary to set when something gets a little too um, indulgent because we Mm. can, as human beings, indulge in our emotions. We can spiral down into Mm. it and, and set up camp there. Right. Especially if we're getting empathy and, and, and attention for it. Um, and so I, I think that there is a way I'd be interested to see if you have an example, um, where you've had to set Mm -hmm. that boundary with one of your girls, um, ever Mm -hmm. when it comes to like, okay, what, how much empathy and understanding is too much, Mm -hmm. you know, finding the level. Yeah. Yeah. I've, um, Caliber. I've done that many times. Sorry, Rick, were yeah. you saying something? Just to uh, just say the calibrating is is where do you where do you, uh, where do you find the level? How do you go about finding yeah. the level? Uh, it feels like the million dollar question, right? Because I I, right. I think that one of the challenges I have, I I don't have an issue um, pulling that like quote unquote early, um, like not not letting it linger too fast. The, the the thing that I think about is, will this backfire? Specifically, to mm. address your question, you know, I've given her choices on things. Martial arts, you brought up karate. I did it with kung fu when she was doing mm-hmm. kung fu a couple years ago. And I would say, when, mm-hmm. when she didn't want to go, hey, I didn't say maybe as well thought as your parents said to you, but I did say something <laughs> to the effect of, you know, Either we're either we are saying this is something we're stopping and we're mm-hmm. not going to do this anymore, or we're going to keep pushing through and we're going to continue on this journey. And I, and her answer back was, "Okay, I'm out." Right? Um, like you're yeah. giving me an out kind of thing. And mm-hmm. that's when I that's when I say, "Oh well, that was not the outcome I wanted." <laughs> now, of course, right. I have a bias that that's a good outcome. It, Maybe it's yeah. good that she self-selects out of it and finds something right. else. Find um, something she actually so enjoys. I, right. That's where I struggle. So we negotiated around that. And I said, okay, look, you tried it for X time. Let's give it this fixed period of time. After that, if you decide you're not going to go back, I will not challenge you. So she did it for a full year. And that actually mm-hmm. coincided when we're moving to LA. And when we're moving to LA, I said, would you like to pursue this again? She said, no. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, you did it for a year. You persisted. I'm proud of you. You did not give up. It's not yep. eliciting joy. Now we can move on. Yeah. Nice. Now you have a you've given it a fair trial. That mm-hmm. that was usually what I did with the kids. Was well, okay, because we were doing it as a group. Jenny and Jenny and mm-hmm. her two brothers and I were all doing it together. But when they wanted to quit, because it was all there was always the discussion on the way to karate about oh, woe is me, and I should be doing something else. And so what I I ended up framing was well, okay, but you can't sit home and watch TV. You know, we're all going to right. karate. Right. What do you? What's what's your plan for the other activity, you know? 
and mm-hmm. and then that got them thinking. And you know what what you did is great for you. You you, you kind of want to that's making the situation where they have to persevere. You know that's getting the getting the reps, getting the getting the persistence. It's like well, you started this stick stick with the team till the end of the season, or you know you committed. See see your commitment through. Those are all those are all great lessons. Uh, and the negotiation. And yeah, I the love negotiation how you is good. how you yeah. negotiated with her. Um, and said, here's, you know, we, we value perseverance and we don't just quit. And sometimes things are really hard and you just have to overcome that hurdle. And then things kind of even out and, Mm -hmm. and you, you don't regret sticking with something. And so teaching her that piece and negotiating with her and then saying, if after that, you decide this still is not the thing for you. I fully support that. And you can find another activity, you know, and I think that also teaches our kids to not just pursue something because somebody else wants us to. Mm -hmm. It teaches our kids to actually tap in and listen and do the hard thing, but then go, is this something I care about? Is this something that I need that I want to be doing? internally, Mm -hmm. intrinsically motivated, and then they get to decide and giving her that choice, um, is extremely powerful and will build her own sense of self and knowing herself. Yeah. I, I, and that resonates because, you know, to your point about the child not feeling like they're doing it because, you know, they're doing it for you exclusively. Um, I, we've had this challenge around playing a team sport. So, you know, her mm-hmm. core activity is gymnastics, which I love that she does it and she gets joy from cool. it. And I've been encouraging her to try a team sport for a while. When she was three, um, I knew the only way she would try a team sport if I, is if I was the coach, or four, rather, she was four. Yeah. And so we did ba- – basketball has always been my favorite sport. She knows that. So I coached um, a basketball team, and she joined – and, uh, of course at four, she disliked it. She was also the only girl on the team. So I think she disliked it even more. Oh, oh yeah. That's unfortunate. Um, and I think that was probably more, more along the time where I was a little bit more rigid in my ways of like, yeah, okay, it's going to be tough, but we're going to do it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was probably less empathetic then, or, or maybe not less empathetic, but just more sort of like, here's the answer. Um, yeah. Anyways, fast forward. And I've been pushing her to try a team sport for a while. She's declined. And so basketball has been the natural one I have like persisted on. Mm-hmm. And I, I did, she knows that I'm into basketball. And so I figured it would just be obvious why I'm pushing basketball. Cause that's a sport I know. And I realized mm-hmm. the subtext of what I was telling her when she told me one day, she said, dad, that's your journey, not mine. Wow. <laughs> She used your oh. words on you. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. This was about a year Good ago. Good for her. Good for her. And oh, when she man. said that, I realized, oh, she thinks, and and to be fair, I think there was truth in what she was saying, um, but I am sending her the signal that, like, you need to do this because, like, that's what I love and you need to do what I love. And, like, mm. you know, she probably saw that as, like, I'm going to love her if she does what I want her to do. And I realized, holy cow, like I'm doing something really wrong here. And so I 
really sat down with her and I said, I will not bring this up to you ever again. Here is why <laughs> I am pushing on a team sport. And I talked to her about executive function skills, teamwork, leadership, you know, reacting yeah. under pressure when you have to coordinate. I explained to her the intrinsics. And I said, you're yeah. right. I, I just sort of like predisposed an answer. But really what I'm solving for is this broader thing. Why don't you yeah. talk to your friends and see how you think you might get those uh, yeah. reps? That's really hard because our kids' experiences take us outside of our own. You know, your expertise, you, we, we naturally gravitate towards our own expertise, trying to lead our children, but that, right. that sometimes that can go the wrong way. You end up the dad in the stand screaming at the kid to do the thing that you never achieved or so that, you know, that can go way too far. Um, excellent. Excellent. I bet that's Even a, that's with an, an amazing intention. Like, yeah. like your intention was, this is so, this is so funny. This happens. I think this happens between adults too, in partnerships in romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. Our intention doesn't come out. Our experience does. And yeah. so our intention is that I want my child to experience, get the experience and gain these life skills, right? This right. executive function, reacting under pressure, being a team player. Like those are all super important life skills to develop and can be developed by playing a team sport. But because yeah. the way you experienced those was through basketball, that's the only thing that came, that came out was in communication was basketball. And one, a seven-year-old looking at her father and saying, that's your journey, not mine, is amazing, is amazing. And the fact that you could then respond and reflect, not get mad, not get defensive, not lay down the law, but go, oh, shit, I've been miscommunicating what I want for her. And then you were able to put language to your actual intention um, and allow and bring her into that conversation and like discuss and negotiate and put the power back on her. Hey, why don't you ask your friends? Like, this is Mm. fantastic. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the other thing I realize is that the conversation I'm having with her when I'm trying to encourage her to do something that yeah. conversation extends beyond that moment in time, right? It's oh, yeah. all the subtle things she's observing outside of that interaction. And I'm a yes. huge basketball junkie, right? So she sees me watching basketball. She sees me practicing in the driveway. She sees me going to my league games. Oh. So she oh, sees all this. And here's this yeah. guy saying, you do it. And so I'm not... <laughs> being thoughtful enough about what's the full narrative that's shaping up in yeah. her mind. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, which this whole thing, uh, going back to your first question around parenting philosophy, one of the things I've incorporated is really asking myself, what if I'm completely wrong about this thing I'm asking my kid to do, or I'm trying to teach my kid. What if I'm like, completely mm. wrong about this. Yeah. 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 Under what conditions might I be completely wrong? And I try to explore that. And my wife is exceptional at teasing that out. Yeah. Complimentary. That's great. Yeah. That's if you can't ask yourself if you're crazy, you know, am I, am I right? That, that can be real dangerous. That's an, that's a great parenting skill. That's a big part of my, what I like about doing this podcast is talking about things I wish I had known earlier in my parenting career, you know, Mm -hmm. so you're not, you're not 
you're not figuring it out. What, what, wouldn't it be great if you knew if we knew all these these experiences that we have learning about ourselves when we're parenting? If we could somehow have all that before we had kids, or you know, earlier in the process, so you were just laying in wait for the issue to come up and say, "Oh, okay, I know how to handle this," and uh, uh, execute our goals a little better. That's I think that's the value of the, of a podcast like this is parents listening to this and learn, you know, as long as you have the ability to learn from others, then you get that a little bit earlier than uh, having to having to work your way through your own children to get the, you know, just using your own children as an experience to 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 gather wisdom. That's a great story. I love I love I can see a little sticker, you know. That's your journey, dad. Little girl talking to her dad. You know, she got a, got a whole picture in my head of that. That's a great picture. She coaches me all the time, and I think that's that's one of the gifts I've got. Is I think she coaches me and, and gives me more areas to improve on than than the reverse. Good um, for her. Yeah, and she is very excellent at um, highlighting those things. And I, and I I take it. I tell her all the time. I'm open to feedback. I actually tell her, like, yeah. I want to be a better dad day yeah. in, day out, week in, week out. Sure. And so she will communicate sure. that with me. And I think the beauty of that is she develops a growth mindset, right? So, yeah. you know, yeah. um, she actually uses the word feedback with, because I tell her I'm open to feedback and she'll tell me stuff. And then so she'll tell me I'm open to feedback. What do you think I could do better in Aww. a certain category? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, she actually started her own blog the other day. Um, I, I helped her um, do that. We were at the library. And then she said, oh, you know, um, make sure you send it to this person and that person and this person. And, of course, parent anxiety immediately, right? I was like, oh, you're you're developing this social media anxiety. Of like, <laughs> you know, you want to get... Uh, validation from others. And so I started like, you know, my lecture on like, let's not get too carried away about getting validation from others. And she goes, dad, I just want to get feedback on how I can improve it. (laughs) You know, that's a fantastic success story too, that she can do that. You know, we were talking before you, you mentioned before about worrying about making her dependent, you know, on a, on a certain style, but also what, what we're doing is teaching her, how to recognize a, a good style, you know, so later mm-hmm. in her life, you know, when she's running into other people or mate selection or whatever, you know, she, she not having that. And okay, now that's kind of a red flag for her. Hey, I can't work through things. You know, this guy's not open to a little, uh, a little feedback, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it turns out yeah. being super valuable. That sounds really, really healthy. And what, a, like, what an amazing trust you've created because yeah. for you, an adult who technically has power over, mm. right. Power over a child, um, for you to, to create a space for her to, to welcome her feedback. I welcome your opinion. I want to hear what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like that telling her that, that, without even saying the words, telling her that her opinion and experience matter to you. Yes. That one sets her up with expectations, dad, like you said, of either a partner or even anyone she surrounds herself with for the rest of her life to be an open, communicative 
person, mm-hmm. it also sets her up. Like you said, she says back to you, Javon, I'm open to feedback and she's mm-hmm. seeking that growth in, in whatever it is she chooses to pursue. She's seeking that growth. And so not only is she going to be able to grow and overcome failure because if she's, if she's ready to get feedback, she knows it's not always going to be what she wants to hear. That's going to build resilience in her and her confidence to overcome those things, overcome comments, um, or improve something, um, (laughs) that, I mean, she's just going to blossom and she's going to surround her people herself with people who are like that as well. I think that's an amazing foundation that you've laid for her. I appreciate that. Yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah. Congratulations, both you and your your wife. Well done. Well done. I I will happily take that validation because it doesn't feel that way often. Right? It doesn't ever feel like it when you're in it. Not in the moment. Yeah. 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 So what are, what are, what's another one of your kind of, uh, parenting goals slash concerns that you regularly work with? Yeah. Um, let's go. It's, it's always easy for me to go to a concern, which is something I'm, I'm trying to improve on, but it's okay. Something that is very, and it goes back to being a girl dad, something that is very top of mind for me. Right. And, and some, and I always have to think about, why I have a certain view, how it might be informed, um, you know, in my childhood trauma, right? I use trauma lightly there, um, or just mm-hmm. the way I was raised, right? But I was raised yeah. um, in an Indian culture. I was raised in Jamaica. Um, and, you know, I was raised, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s now, right? So I have largely seen women take a backseat to men a lot of my mm-hmm. life. And uh, that's still the case today, even though we've made significant progress. And so that is Mm -hmm. very high on my list of concerns. And I don't know the right way to to sort of solve for that, right? So I'll give like Mm. an example, which is I really try to introduce things to my girls that I feel are either gender neutral or something that classically gets assigned to a boy right? Whether Mm -hmm. it's math, cars, dump trucks, whatever it might be, right? Yeah. And uh, my older one really gravitates to dolls and, you know, very interested in nail polish and things like that. And I've never set like a limitation on, you know, whatever you want to play with. But when it starts to get into the beauty products, right? Like, oh, you know, I have friends with nail polish and oh, actually I'm curious to try makeup for my birthday my anxiety rises. Right. Mm -hmm. And and it rises because I feel like, you know, this division is getting created where the boys get all the opportunities and the girls are just meant to, you know, look a certain way and the language that's being presented to them. And, you know, she saw that this Barbie movie came out, she didn't watch it, but like, she's just so interested in like, you know, what the Barbie culture is. And anyways, it's a long wind up to say it's something I actively, I talked to her about it. I said, this is why I think this thing might be too materialistic or too emphasizing, you know, emphasizing looks too much, but I I struggle Mm. with that. That's tough. You have to replace that with something or they have to replace that with something because it is so prevalent and so easy to fall into. 
But, I but I think the other thing is I don't know what's healthy and not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard one, especially coming from a place where you, you are male. You don't, you never, you don't know necessarily unless you, unless you love nail polish and beauty products and which is also fine. Um, but I'm assuming from your appearance that you don't. And mm-hmm. so you don't necessarily understand the feeling or the draw or how fun those things can be for girls mm-hmm. and how, um, coming, coming from a feminine perspective, um, those those beauty products, yes, it can get toxic. Um, it can become like looking at the women in the magazines and they're airbrushed and they're fake and you want to, you want to strive to be and look like that. But in my older and wiser adult years, it has become something that I can utilize in order to fully express who I am, Mm -hmm. um, and how I want to show up in the world. And so I think, hmm. I, I think that there is a very balanced way to allow your daughter's curiosities and interest and a very natural interest in beauty products, in, um, nail polish, in f- maybe fashion or whatever she, she is, um, gravitating towards to be this fun experimental thing and allowing her to explore that. And then also having those conversations when you notice that something is like the reason she's doing it is because she wants to look like a certain person from somewhere that's fake, you know, or, um, so not making those desires, those innate desires of hers wrong, um, that could cause her to reject that part of herself in some way. Um, but, but allowing her to be excited, to want to try these things, to figure out what she likes and doesn't like. And, you know, friends are going to influence that a little bit. Um, and having, just having those, like you said, the, um, those conversations will come up serendipitously and, and you can touch on makeup being a tool for self-expression, not Mm -hmm. to transform into something else. Yeah. You know, that's what I would add there. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I remember makeup and makeovers being when we'd have a family gathering because the girl cousins would get together and they'd run out and get some, get some nail polish or fake nails or stuff, you know, and it was an enjoyment. It was a, it was a fun thing, bonding thing. I also remember taking you, I think homecoming dress shopping once or Mm. prom dress shopping once and as you would try different things on i was very much out of my element picking out you know styles for 14 16 year old girls whatever you were at the time and i just remember all i had to offer was like well what's the what's the message you want to send here you know you put on a slinky one you'd put on Mm -hmm. something a little more decorative and i just remembered uh, the only thing i could think of to do at that point was like well what's the message you're trying to send Mm-hmm. And I would think it would be the same kind of thing with makeup and and glitz and bling and and all that kind of thing is, yeah, it's one thing to have a per- professional appearance in a professional setting or a fun appearance in a fun setting, you know, a Halloween costume or something. But somehow, to, yeah, somehow to shield you, it's, it's don't make it part of your identity, make it part of your costume was the was the underlying message is where it gets un 
I think where it gets unhealthy, where it really, you're doing it for other people, seeking approval. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how to negotiate that, boy, that's going to be different for every parent and child, I would think, and, the, and their circumstances. Yeah. I think that two things that, that you both touched on that really hit, Jenny, you, you mentioned the word explore. Um, well, actually, you mentioned two, two words that I thought really rather than explore and tool, right? So the idea mm-hmm. that um, I can have my child explore these things, I yeah. think reduces the weight and anxiety that I feel towards it. Um, yeah. So it, it, and, and the, the flip side is um, what, what you were talking about, Rick, right? Where you were saying, don't make it um, your identity, Right. And I think that's the fear is I, I sometimes have that zero to or one thinking where it's like, you know, either you're not into makeup uh, as, as a proxy for a broader category of things yeah. Um, yeah. or you're like fully in it and it's your identity. Right. And this middle yeah. ground, I find very hard to navigate. But I think that middle ground is what you're both circling around when you frame it as something you're exploring something that's a tool with a specific mm-hmm. purpose, e.g. expressing yeah. yourself, but it's not all consuming of your identity. And I really struggle in untangling that middle ground. One tool I have used to try to untangle it when she's interested in these things, like she got these, um, um, I guess they're kind of like extensions. It's a clip-on thing you put in your hair and it kind yeah. of gives you some fake purple hair on the side. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I've asked her, like, hey, you know, I, I try not to come across as, like, the judgmental dad. And I say, hey, tell me, you know, what's, what's... <laughs> it's hard, but I'm like, tell right. me, you know, what's Before you speak, yeah. Yeah, like, what's an <laughs> on my tone? You know, I don't want to be like, hey, why are you wearing that purple thing, right? So I'm like, oh, you know, uh, tell me what's yep. so interesting about this or why are you wearing this today? Inside, yes. I'm thinking, you know, why are you wearing this purple thing? Um, yeah. But uh, it, it, I think it at least opens the conversation in a better way. But the tricky thing is she's eight, so she's not really sure why, right? And she says that. Mm. She's like, I don't know. It's just cool. And then so I just tell her. Right, right, I guess. And so I just tell her, I I think one thing I, maybe this goes to one of the parent philosophy things is, I realize I I, I rarely have the answer, right? (laughs) So what I, but but what I can do is elucidate my thinking. Right. Yep. That I can do. And yep. I can tell her yep. in that thinking that I don't have the answer. So I do that with her. I say, hey, look, you're wearing this hair clip thing. Uh, it looks like it's something you're enjoying. It's fun for you. Great. I'm happy it's bringing yeah. joy to you. I will tell you as a dad, there's one thing I'm thinking about and I don't have the answer for it. And it's that I don't want you to get too wrapped up in this and feel yep. that you need to wear it to look a certain way. And, and I sort of articulate what I'm thinking about. Mm. And then yep. I extract myself and say, Go live your life. Um, yeah. That's, that's right. at least my technique for now. I, I think that's it. all there is. You know, you yeah. know, it's uh, when I'm sitting here watching Jenny pick out a dress. It's all fear based, and it's not something in my experience. You know, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not in my wheelhouse, and so all you can do is bring. <clears throat> hopefully a more mature, you know, I've spent more time figuring things out than you. So you bring a method of, you know, uh, here's, here's what I see. Explain, you say, explain your, explain your thinking, you know, they're, they're old enough to, to appreciate that. 
and, mm -hmm. and pick up on that. That's modeling good behavior. And then say, you know, I don't know, but I don't see any huge red flags here. You know, I don't think this is something you're going to die from soon. Yeah. And so, okay, knock yourself out is, you know, here's my concern. That's, I think that's all we can do. That's, that's probably a core, core task of a parent is, uh, of, of raising a self-motivated kid that I think that's a perfect example. Well, and you didn't judge it. That's the other thing that came up for me yeah. is that you didn't lay, you didn't lay your concern onto her so that she then internalized it. You just said you entered with curiosity, even though it's something that was something that was foreign to you, something you didn't mm -hmm. understand. Um, mm -hmm. You noticed that it created a worry or a fear in you but you chose curiosity and then you shared your thought with her in a way that was like, I don't have the answer and this is just my, my concern and I don't want you to, you know, identify with having to wear that in order to be cool. If you like mm -hmm. it, awesome, fully support you, live your life, like you said. And you yeah, didn't yeah. judge her or criticize the fact that, because I remember, I remember certain clothes that I wanted to wear that were deemed unacceptable um, and, or told that I couldn't buy that you know, when I was out school clothes shopping, not because like it was too short or too revealing or anything. It just wasn't the color that my parent thought I should get. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and it was like, I had to constantly like justify and convince, um, that I wanted pink and purple things, not blue and green things. And mm -hmm. that's like a, that's like a nugget from my childhood that has stuck with me into adulthood in the way that I decorate or create my home with things I like, not creating it because I think someone who walks into my home will like it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? When yeah. you're younger, so just, that's kind of a power struggle, kind of an unnecessary power struggle thing. Yeah. Like let your kid like what they like. Like, it's just like, yeah, they're not, it's not hurting them. <laughs> I don't see any harm. Knock yourself <laughs> out. Yeah. 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 I love, I, I really love that. And, and really since our first conversation, Jivon, I've, I've always been very impressed with, um, your, not that you need my approval. Um, but I just want to tell you this as a compliment is that I've always been very impressed, um, with your approach and your awareness of yourself and your biases and this is how I was raised and I'm worried about doing this to my kids, but I also know that I need to step back and look at it through a different lens or, you know, mm -hmm. um, you're very, you have a growth mindset and you're very exploratory in, um, the way that you approach things. And I'm curious, I'm, I'm curious because in my experience, it's rare rarer to me in my experience to find that in the male figure in the male mm -hmm. parenting figure in dads. Um, it's also in my experience, there are very, there are much fewer supports set up that are aimed at dads specifically. I think that there's a lot of, um, 
perinatal supports, you know, moms becoming moms, the transition into motherhood, um, the, the, the needs of a woman when she's in that vulnerable space, the way men can step up and support women, um, things like that. And then there's a lot of like parenting advice, but there's, there's very little, dad specific advice because i i am someone who believes that that the mom experience and the dad experience women and men experience things differently um we have different societal expectations we're raised differently often and um with different with different perspectives and i'm curious how much support you've seen or experienced in the dad world uh specifically yeah, it's a great question. Um, first, very quickly, I wanted to uh, say thank you for the kind words and that uh, it's mutual. Like ever since we've been chatting, I've been incredibly uh, impressed and um, in awe of just your thoughtfulness and your ability to hear what somebody's saying and sort of take it to its um, conclusion or implication. And so Aww. I love our chats. So thank you for that. Thank you. Um, the dad support thing is interesting because I think about it a lot. Uh, and I'll share a quick anecdote that I think elucidates some of what I've observed. Uh, I was on a um, camping slash glamping trip for uh, my <laughs> daughter's uh, incoming third grade class. So all the parents, or not all the parents, but a lot of the parents and their kids went and it was sort of like a bonding experience. Nice. Yeah. And um, the the moms of the third graders have a WhatsApp chat and they've had it for years, like when they were in second grade, when they're first grade. And it's a very active chat, like a I think like a daily yeah. active thing. Yeah. And I had not heard about whether there was a dad chat or not. I had sort of heard maybe there was one. And I overheard two dads talking about some dad chat. So I beelined it over there and I said, Hey, I heard something about a dad chat. Can you add me? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> it's kind of secretive and, on the dad side. <laughs> well, 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 here's the thing. Uh, he says, he says, uh, yeah, I can add you. Um, full disclosure, uh, the last update was five months ago. <laughs> right? Yeah. The last yeah. message, right? Yeah. Uh, he's like the, He's like most of the messages on there are like so-and-so has changed their profile picture or so-and-so has changed their phone. Uh. <laughs> uh, like that's Expectation the management, yeah. <laughs> right, that's the chat. And and uh, I, I will add to that that uh, one thing my wife does a great job and a lot of her female friends do a great job of is like they plan stuff, right? They, they get people yeah. together. They, their, their activation energy is always there, right? Like yeah. let's do something. And they're always the logistic people, they're the planning people, they're the organizers. And I think my observation is that if you and and at the camping place, the dads were super engaged. They were like all in with their kids, but it's getting them from zero to one. Somebody has to kind yeah. of yeah. create the surface area, organize the thing, and then the dads are all in. Yeah, yeah. But for whatever reason, they're not the starters. Like they need somebody to set it up, and I've seen that. Yeah. Um, you know, I've generally not been that person and my wife and I talk about it and, and she'll openly call me out. Right. She's like, you know, when we're going on a trip, like I'm not the one who has the list ready to pack. I'm not the one who thinks about where, when we should go on vacation. And it's, yeah. a, I think it's a gender bias thing that I'm trying to correct. 
Um, and it's a long way of saying that, like, I think that if if there's a way to crack that, to get dads to just sort of jump that initial hurdle, it will unlock yeah. a lot of dad support and engagement. Because uh, I am in some dad groups, like on Facebook, and they actually yeah. have tons of engagement. But mm-hmm. I think it's nice. like you need somebody to seed that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's also, yeah. there's also a societal piece in that I think that it has been historically more acceptable for women to seek help than for men. Mm. Um, I think that there is a construct that exists inside of the toxic masculinity mm-hmm. um, part of things where it you shouldn't ask for help. You should be able to handle anything. You're the providers, you're the protectors, you're this. And yeah. so you should never need support or help. And I think that men's mental health has suffered horribly because of that Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. because men are afraid to ask for help are afraid to be like this my kid is doing this and i don't know how to handle it or i fucked up admitting fault um Mm -hmm. admitting that we need help that we don't know everything um i think is has been even more taboo from the from Mm -hmm. the male side of things so i think that has slowed the Mm -hmm. the um the activation of dad support groups too yeah, I think I think that's you know we talked a couple an ep- episode or two ago. We got into gender roles and what's going on now, and and I think there's very you know the I think the sexes there are at least roles that are different that way. You know, I'm mm-hmm. in I'm in like three men's groups now, and there's always one guy that gets it gets it going, sets a time and a place, you know, and and guys show up. But uh, when it comes time to organize other things, it's you you know it's usually the same guy or two or three yeah. that are 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 getting the herd going, you know, and yeah. and other guys showing up. It's kind of like a job, you know. It's a concrete task. I want to do this. What time is it? Where do I need to be? Okay, but we're just not as people oriented, right? Isn't that the the stereotype? The females are a little more people oriented. Guys are a little more thing oriented. And so planning a party just kind of naturally falls to the person who wants to have a party, you know, whereas the guys yeah. are like, okay, okay, I need to fix a car and the garage is over there. So we'll get over there at that time and yeah. and uh, work work on the car, work on ourselves, or whatever it is we're working on, you know, we're working on something. And, you know, that's, that's way too simple. But uh, I, I think we can train all we want. But it's uh, it's going to be a hard sell because there's something there's some pressure to make it that way, and uh, but we can we can certainly nudge it because there is so much benefit to having a, a thoughtful guy, kid oriented guy around so much. You know, divorce now is horrible. Guys lose that you'd mentioned earlier on, mentioned that spontaneous, serendipitous mm-hmm. kind of contact with their kids that's mm-hmm. so important and. Uh, you know, yeah, we, there's certainly things around that we can we can work on fixing. Yeah, I'm 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 optimistic that this will shift um, and improve and, and reach a better equilibrium. But I think something you said, Jenny, that that resonates is this point about you know men may have a predisposition to not look for that help, not ask for that help. Um, yeah, I think you're right that it does tie to to um, 
poorer mental health if you're not willing to sort of raise that hand. I think, you know, I mentioned the sort of zero to one challenge of like the activation Mm -hmm. energy of guys like getting together and have that. But as I hear you talk and I think about my interactions, I do think it goes beyond that too, right? So if, um, if a bunch of moms from my kid's school get together and they don't really know each other, but they have a mom's night and you juxtapose that with a bunch of dads getting together, let's say they, they get there, somebody activates them. The conversations are also fundamentally different, I think, in two ways. Mm. Often. I think one is that the uh, moms will get to vulnerability quicker, right? They will Mm. put their cards on the table much quicker, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I've seen this just, you know, anecdotally, right? And, uh, And so I think that's part of it. And then I think the other part of it is, Often, like these moms are getting together, they're already thinking like, oh, you know, I can get advice from this mom. Um, they can, you know, I'm working, I'm figuring this thing out with my kid. And the dads are thinking, you know, to sort of make it maybe overly stereotypical, but I think there's truth to it. Hey, I, go, I, go, I can go hang out with the guys and, you know, we'll talk about sports, right? So, yeah. so yeah. I think there's a combination yeah. of, of vulnerability difference and there's a combination of intent difference sometimes when these gatherings yeah. happen as well. I think that's exactly right. In a group of guys, it's more like guys are sitting there figuring out, you know, part, it kind of goes to the protector role. Guys are sitting there figuring out what can I reveal mm-hmm. without creating any harm, you know, without having back uh, any backlash or mm-hmm. how's this, how's this going to affect me at a job? Or, you know, they're very carefully, they're very carefully vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know. And and it helps to activate them. You know, it, it it helps a lot if somebody goes first. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. well, I'm strug- I'm struggling with this, and then you, then we'll have a discussion about everybody's struggles about that. You know, but you yeah. do have to, you do have to get them started. They don't all come primed, ready to ask advice about things. Yeah, mm-hmm. I th- I think mm-hmm. that's a thousand percent true. My <laughs> my husband has tried to explain that to me <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Another gender um, difference. Yeah. And, and where his, I go out, you know, and hang out with my girls or I go out to dinner with a friend or I, you know, I, I seek out interactions with my girlfriends and, and relationships. And, um, my husband one the bulk of his friends are still in Pennsylvania. Um, so a lot of his network, his very close, um, inner circle is not here in Colorado. So that's one piece that definitely plays Mm -hmm. a part. Um, but the, the friends that he does have here in Colorado, um, and even the newer friends that he made through my girlfriend's husbands, um, who he's like really connected with, it is like pulling teeth. Like they both, when we're together, they're over there having a conversation. They're like, man, we should go shooting, man. We should like hang out, man. We should do this. We should do that. And then they never do anything. And I'm like, I'm about to call his, his no. wife and be like, yo, we should set up a date for these guys. Like, cause I know if we schedule it and we're like, yeah. you're off this day, we've booked you the spot at the gun range from eight to noon. Date like I've place. packed your yeah. stuff like you're going (laughs) I know that it would happen but like you said like men 
are not, and there is, there's, I, I believe there's a difference in feminine and masculine energy. And I believe there's different combinations and levels of those that live inside everyone, but someone who is primarily feminine and someone who is primarily masculine, I think that the masculine needs an activation. And yeah. I think that that's where the feminine can come in and do that. And sometimes that can feel frustrating or burdensome to us. Kind of um, childlike. But there's also, yeah. there's, there's once there, right. Once there's an activation, it's like, he's, he's the person in the relationship who makes the thing happen. I, I'm the creator of the vision and the energy. And then I, and I activate him and he executes. Um, And that's a very dumbed down version of our relationship. And it's not black Mm -hmm. and white in that way, but that's something that I've been, that I've, that's top of mind for me. I love that phrasing. That's top of mind for me um, in my work, in my partnership is understanding our different strengths um, and that he isn't necessarily oh, the whole point of this story was that he has explained to me it's so hard for guys to trust each other and it's so hard mm-hmm. for men to because they're constantly you know they don't know what that man's perspective of being a man is and so if mm-hmm. if they don't necessarily think that sharing you know, our, our marital struggles or struggles with my kid, you know, if, if those topics are not something that, you know, they don't know that person well enough to know they're going to be willing to talk about those things or not see me Mm -hmm. in a weakness kind of light Mm -hmm. because I want to talk about Mm -hmm. those things, then they're not going to initiate that vulnerability and they're going to, they're going to talk sports and guns and, and whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. And I do have a hard time swallowing that and understanding it because I'm like, just do it. Like if you're the one to be vulnerable, they're they're probably just praying for you to to take the initiative and be the vulnerable one first. Um, yeah. But I know how hard that that can be. So, yeah. Let's see. I did. We're a little over an hour. Um, do you have? time for us to have one about one more question. I have one more question for for you. Cool. The question is still coming to me and maybe there isn't a question. Maybe it's just a topic, but how to raise strong women, strong, confident women who can handle patriarchy without having Mm. to banish their femininity. Feminine Mm. side. Yeah. Yeah. What a what a great topic, uh, and uh, and I I definitely don't have the answer. I, I I do think a lot of my philosophy comes down to just being transparent. What about uh, being transparent about what I'm thinking? And um, my eight year old and I will often ask the "why not" question. There you right? go. Um, good, good so for her. We, we we do that with a lot of things. Like for example, yeah. um, you know, somebody was saying the other day, "Oh yeah, the the garbage man's outside," and and uh, you know, my daughter and I were like, "Well, how do we know that? How do we know it's not a garbage woman?" Um, mm-hmm. And so it's it it is so embedded in everything that we talk about at home in the car 
that there is this very much why not um, type yeah. of philosophy. And I, and I incorporate everything, right? So Fantastic. Um, my, my two and a half year old likes to wear this like Tiana uh, pajama nightgown, right? <laughs> and uh, all I, day, I, every day. I, oh yeah, exactly. Right. So all about Tiana, Tiana, Tiana. Yeah. And I always, her, like, I always tell her, can, can Papa wear it? Right. Um, and, and it's, it's largely a fun thing because it like teases her and she's like, no, it's mine. You can't wear it. Okay. Maybe next time. Yeah. But it's also just to really push the predispositions we have. Um, yeah. and, and, and I think, you know, my eight year old has internalized that a lot. So it's a pretty big, heavy topic about, you know, allowing them to, to embrace things and engage in things that maybe have been typically male centric while still, you know, keeping whatever feminine aspects of their identity, traditionally feminine aspects of their identity, they want to keep. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the other thing I think about is skill set and mindset. And yeah. mindset is my main focus, right? So uh, math is a great example. I, I noticed, you know, I used to volunteer at one of my daughter's old schools. Um, I used to do these math activities. And I just noticed generally the boys, you know, they have this thing of like, oh yeah, you know, we can do math. And then, and then the girls, they're equally capable. If not, they were probably better at math. Sometimes. But, yeah. I, don't, but I don't think people were telling them that like, you know, you're a mathematician, you're mm -hmm. mathematical, you can, you know, you can be this thing. Mm -hmm. So there's yeah. already this pre preconceived mindset. And so one thing I tell my daughter all the time, she'll tell me, oh, like this math is hard or something. I say, I'm not worried about the skill. You'll, you'll get mm -hmm. it when you get it. But I do want to think about the mindset more than the skill set, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't want mm -hmm. you to say, I can't do this. I can't do that. If you want to use the word yes. yet at the end, that's okay. So, yeah. you know, she'll say, oh, I, I can't do this math thing. And I say, huh? And she'll say, oh, yeah, you're right. I can't do this math thing yet. Because that's I think so great. what's happening, my observation is, that sometimes these things that are traditionally associated with 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 men, if a guy can, if a boy can't get it, they're just like, oh, you know, I'm having a hard time. And the girl yes. sometimes can internalize that as that's not my identity. I don't do that. I can't do that. And yes. so I'm very focused on the mindset and the language we have around it. So we always say yet. I love yeah. that. I love I that. that. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that has to do with feeling. Girls, the girls don't feel that they can do it, you know, they feel they, you know, they don't master something right away. And if the feeling keeps them away more than the boys or something, but absolutely, you know, girls are going to learn to be more flexible in a patriarchal society by, I would think by learning from men, you know, having men in their line, passing on information, learning, into their girls, that sounds like super, super important to pick up skills where they are comfortable or dealing with guys. And I love the dad humor thing. That's a, uh, I, I resonate with the learn teaching through a little, what, you know, yet. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, the thing you said about like the, you know, like the dad maybe spending time with his girls and, and sort of, reducing the patriarchal differences that way. 
I think it also goes the other way. One thing I realized was I'm always the one sitting down with my daughter and doing math. So we have this thing where she has to do math, just a little bit of math almost every day. Good. And she sort of asked me, she was like, you know, why can't I just do this with mommy? And mm-hmm. I realized it, it just happened to be that that's a thing that I love. And so I do it with her. But going back to our earlier conversation, I may have the best intent, but I, I am sending a signal to her that, oh, daddy's the math person. Right. Mm-hmm. So what signal yeah. does that say? Is that showing? Yeah. And, and my wife called it out too. And so now we make it a point to my wife leans in and does it sometimes. I lean in and do it sometimes. So yeah. I do yeah. have to even, you know, it's it's easy to say, oh, this is an issue, but it's hard to really self-examine and say, what might I, might I be doing that I don't realize yeah. Um, yeah. that is sending yeah, a signal? I think that's huge. The sending, yeah. I think that's a big um one of the biggest overarching themes that I see with a lot of parenting um, is that we send, and something I try to explain to parents that I'm still working on my language around is that we are constantly sending signals out into the world. We're sending signals to our partners. We're sending signals to our children. We're sending like your energy, um, Mm -hmm it can be felt and the, these signals that we send unintentionally and, and can often even be nonverbal and usually are nonverbal. Um, like you said, with your example of your, you were like, I like math, let's do math together. Can inadvertently and completely unintentionally send the signal that mommy or girls don't do math. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, it's, you know, there's definitely like a, uh, two extreme side of that where we're like over policing ourselves. But I, I think that most people, again, in my experience, most people tend to the other side where they're not aware Mm -hmm. of it at all, or they refuse to look at it. Um, and so once again, I'm just so appreciative of the fact that you, one, you have a daughter who, who, tells you these things, who has the language, mm-hmm. who you've made it safe for her to offer her feedback and tell you. Um, yeah. so she can reflect so that she can be a mirror for you. Um, mm-hmm. and that you can do the same for her and, so, and that you're willing to look at yourself and, you know, there's, there's a part of like ego that plays into this too, mm-hmm. is like, is, can I accept that I am an imperfect person? And that any given moment that regardless of my intention, I might be actually having this effect on somebody. Mm-hmm. And when I'm willing mm-hmm. to hear that reflection back to me and sit with it or explore it or discuss it, negotiate it, um, that's when true relationship can happen versus defensive or you're little and young and wrong and you don't know me and I know mm-hmm. everything and, mm-hmm. you know whatever. So I just, yeah, there's a lot at play there. Yeah. It's a hard thing. It's a, it it is a hard thing to, to give that space to your child to sort of tell you areas, like you said, put, put a mirror up because it can be uncomfortable. Um, but I think the more you do it, the less uncomfortable it gets in you to your earlier point about growth mindset. You see it more as like, can I be a better yeah. dad tomorrow? Can I be even better dad a week yeah. from now? And I think yes. the answer is 
yes. Um, but it, it's, it is going to be uncomfortable. And, and that's where it's also important to have a, a, a good partner. You know, my, my wife tells me all the time, like, Hey, I, take it easy on that thing. Or I don't think you quite had that right. And I will self-examine mm-hmm. and say, Holy shnikes, you're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it is difficult in the moment to, to, to yes. execute on that. It it's like, be... it's a skill to some degree and it, and it takes yeah. skills, take practice and experience and mm-hmm. you learn, you learn finesse after a while, you know, but you have to get in there and you can't get too discouraged if you're going to, if you're going to improve at it. That's a, that's a great message for dads. I think is keep at it. Get the reps in. You'll get better. Right? Get the reps in. Per- persevere. <laughs> and I think that go. the words difficult and uncomfortable are absolutely true. I think in some cases, it can be, it can feel horrible, and and mm-hmm. I and and I I want to make it as real as possible for parents who are listening because mm-hmm. discomfort. I think most people can go. I can handle a little discomfort. I think the reality sometimes of having our flaws reflected back to us can can be horrifying it can it can be it can change your entire perception of yourself for a minute or a day or a week it can it can have you crying on the bathroom floor it can have you thinking that I've screwed up my kid forever it can like it can have you spiraling um and I just want to make that very real and very visceral so that people aren't out here thinking like oh what a beautiful picture of parenting you guys have painted um and sometimes it's a little uncomfortable. I, I really like to make it as real as possible for people. I'm glad you opened up that thread because I will circle back to this Kung Fu story where I pushed my mm. daughter to do it for a year before she could give up. Yeah. Um, after she stopped it and we had talked about it and I said, you know, you, you were so good at it, whatever. Like, why aren't you so interested or whatever? And at one point she told me, I did it for you, not for me. Mm. And that crushed Dad. me because I just thought, oh. did I just make the biggest mistake and mm. like punish her for a year? Just made her go to this thing, oh. you know? Yeah. And and so you're right. It's hard. I'm I'm sitting here and and I have the privilege, you know, to talk about things in retrospect and and highlight good things, but it's it's grueling day to day. Um, yeah. And yeah. and I make more mistakes <laughs> than I can count. But um, to your point, that that is the real part of the journey, and I think you just have to accept that as as part of it. Yeah. yeah. In this in this social media oriented world where everybody is sharing the ten best seconds of their life this week or this mm-hmm. day, you know, mm-hmm. it's important to keep in mind it's messy. You got to get in there and mess it up and give yourself some grace and move on and Go on, you know, don't collapse in a heap. All right. I feel like we could open a lot, many more cans of worms. Um, and <laughs> I apologize. I don't know what is coming through on the mic. There's heavy there. We have a guest dog this week. Um, my friend, my bestie uh, dropped off her dog this morning. She's going into the mountains 
and he could not go with her. So there's been a lot of heavy breathing Aww. and little little barks because he doesn't understand the podcast studio. Yes. <laughs> He's not been socialized for podcasts yet. He's not. My dogs finally just learned that we come in here, they lay down and shut up. And my this guest dog um, is such a little sweetie, and he just he doesn't understand. He's like, who are you talking to, and why aren't you talking to me? Exactly. Um, so... For anyone listening, whatever heavy breathing or weird sounds you heard this week, it's a dog in the background. Um, but anyway, Jivan, thank you so much for spending time with us. Um, and um, it's yes, great I'll to get meet to you. you. Yes, nice to meet you, Rick. Thank you. Jenny. Keep it up with the. Keep it up with those young girls. Good work, making the world a better place. I appreciate it. And uh, you've done an exceptional job with Jenny. So I like to think so. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And we, um, one of my, just to let the listeners know, one of my um, goals, uh, things that I'm striving for, almost, we're almost done. Shush. Um, (laughs) Has been to get more male perspective, male guests, um, and hopefully dads specifically. I have a couple more on the docket, um, and I am wanting to, to balance out the perspectives, um, between men and women and moms and dads, um, on the podcast. And so, um, I think it's really powerful and important, the perspective that you do bring Jivon and, and it's a voice that needs to be heard. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right, everybody. uh, Happy parenting and good luck out there. Well, did you learn anything new or have you heard all of this before? Do you agree with us? Disagree with us? Have a question? We want to see you in our inbox or via the Patreon page in the show notes. Tap on either link to send us your feedback, share your own parenting story, or support our mission of providing a connected community for all parents. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you loved this episode, click on that little star and give us five of them so we can get visible to other parents who are looking for us. This is your weekly reminder. Parents, you already have everything you need inside of you. You are a strong, loving, capable parent. And here, you are never alone. I'll see you next week.